by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. No, he's not talking about going outside, looking up at the stars. Well, just we go, just looking at the gazing around, looking. He's talking about things that you can't really see with your natural eyes, but you can get a hold of in your heart if you try. Where Christ is seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities, powers, rulers, and influences of darkness, where he's got his foot on the devil's neck. And we're seated right there with him if we would get a hold of it. And that's what he's trying to get across. Set your eyes on the victory. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't just look around in this world and just be conformed to its low standards. But understand something has happened in me. Something miraculous. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in my mortal bodies. What? Me? Stop looking at yourself. You're part of the earth. Look at heavenly things. Look at the man you are or the woman you are on the inside now. It'll never be the same unless you just let it be the same. Unless you just refuse to move from here and you just want to stay the same. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. We're in our series called No More Stinking Thinking. You know, I had stinking thinking before I got saved. I still got some left. But I don't want to stay stinking. Today's message is is called The Drama Free Zone. The Drama Free Zone. How many would like to live there? I hate drama. Oh, I hate drama. Man, if I sit in a room, people arguing, going back and forth, it's like I'd rather slide down a razor blade pole into a pool of alcohol or something than go through that. I'm sorry for that visual. (laughs) But I hate drama. I don't like it. It makes my heart beat funny and And I don't like to be mad at people. And I don't like all this hatred and division down here. I might have used to in the old days when I thought I could fight my way out of a paper bag. But now I just want to go to bed early. You know, I just just like peace. And and when I was a teenager, I I tell you, I'll stay with the Pawpaw stories. Because I told you a couple of Pawpaw stories as we've been in this series. Because Pawpaw was hard-headed. And we've been talking about changing your mind, and I can't think of a better example than my papa. He just wouldn't do it. He had stinking thinking. He liked it. And he wanted to stay there, and he didn't want nobody to tell him nothing. And one day, I was back there in the barn, and, and he'd been trying to get this three-wheeler up in the back of his truck for about an hour, and everything he was working, just try, trying to do, wasn't working. And I said, Papa, I seen my daddy do it. You want me to tell you how he I don't need you, boy. He's... He knows it. About an hour later, he finally, what'd your daddy do? I said, well, come around here in the front yard. And he had a big slope where the, it went up to the 61 highway in a ditch, you know. I said, if you'll back up to that slope and, put, and let your tailgate down, you can just drive your three-wheeler right onto the truck. He said, that sounds like a good idea there, boy. Let me try that. And I was like, yes, Papa never listened to me before. He's listening to me. So he got in his truck. And instead of backing up like I told him, he drove around the other side and tried to back down the hill. Well, you know, the tailgate still was three foot off the ground doing it that way. And I was giving him directions, and he just drove right on past, not listening again. And he backed up the wrong way. And I I was like, nope. And he got out of the truck, and he came back there, and he said, oh, that don't work there, boy. I said, but Papa, you don't know what you're talking about there, boy. He got in the truck and drove off. 
Never did get the three-wheeler in the back of the truck. Say hard-headed. Are you hard-headed? Are you always right? Slow to change? I think we are. We all are at some degree. But what kind of mind do you want to have? How do you want your mind to operate? Do you like peace? Do you like free, joyous, content, organized? How would you like to have an organized mind? That would be sweet. Do you want to be loving and thoughtful, your peaceful thoughts, and, and not feeling ill towards people, not feeling that grinding on the inside? Or If that's so, then why is our minds often so busy and so grating and and so cluttered and so dark and deceived. And even sometimes our own mind can be destructive. We can, our mind can cause us to do destructive things to others and destructive things to our own selves. And many times we're our own worst enemy. And you see somebody, yeah, enemy. <laughs> you see somebody doing stuff, it's like, snap out of it. What are you thinking? Can't you see what you're doing to yourself? I can give you 55 scriptures on that. But no, hard-headed. Say hard-headed. Hard you want to ask some, some people, are you even saved? <laughs> I know you've been in the church for 40 years, but are you even saved yet? <laughs> what are you thinking? Ephesians 4.17 says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Apostle Paul says, this is on the Lord's authority. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. And the Gentiles means somebody who wasn't Jewish back in the day, but once they became Christians, it meant somebody that wasn't Christian. Heathens. Don't live like the heathens do, because they're hopelessly confused. And that's the way I was before I got saved. And I think we mostly all were. He says they're minds. Remember, we're talking about minds. That's the way you think. Not just your brain, but it's your mind, which is in your soul. It's the way you think. The, the person that you are, the thoughts that you have, create the person that you are, right? And their minds are full of darkness. And they wander far from the life God gives them because they've closed their minds. They just stop growing as a person. Uh, oh, that ain't going to work there, boy. Nothing, if he can't figure it out, nobody can. And he's hardened their hearts against God, you see, hard-headed. Watching TV these days, have you noticed this fascination that the world has with zombies? And walking dead and all these brainless people that that never, they don't really possess any worth and don't think for themselves. Why do you think the world is so interested in it? I think it's because they're scared that's what they're becoming. They've been sucked into virtual world. And the devil's like, yeah, that's what we need, a whole world that doesn't even live in, the, in reality. They're living in a virtual world. I got them where I want them now. And while they're swiping and while they're clicking, we'll just, we'll give them information overload. We'll give them more useless trivia than Alex Trebek or somebody than any game show, they'll know more about nothing than anybody else that ever lived. But they'll have no knowledge for living in the real world. No knowledge about what really counts. You know, maybe some of you saw a weak attempt I had a few months back, maybe a year back, trying to do a, shoot a little video and like a blog, or I was going to try to use social media in a positive way. I was going to 
try to say something funny and get everybody's attention and then tell them about Jesus. And use it in a positive way. It wasn't very successful. But the more I got to thinking about it, I was like, I'm not sure this is doing it, would do any good. Because most people ain't stopping by but like three or four seconds. Some of them is only, it's just, rum, rum, rum. you know, they don't have the, they're not going to stop and listen to me speak in the first place. And if they did, it would just be one of a million. And I don't care if I'm saying good things. For every one person saying something good, there's four on there saying something stupid. And I got to thinking, okay, so I, I feel like I'm trying to make a difference, but really, am I doing anything other than just adding to the noise of this world? Becoming a part of the information overload? How many of you th think because you got more information now than you used to, you got Google and everything, that your life is so much simpler? Is the knowledge, all this information you got making your life more peaceful? You know, all the gadgets, the microwaves and all the computers and everything, they promised that they would give us more free time. Your job said, man, we're going to automate and you, you guys are not going to have to work as hard. Now you're working twice as hard and more hours and, and you got ten times as much to produce than you used to in the old days. Where's that break they've been promising? Or is just things just speeding up? And I got to thinking, I don't want to just be another part of the noise. It's just noise. Boy, it gets quiet when you talk about people's phones. They'll be throwing them at No, they won't throw them. But if I could hear, if, if I could hear over the noise for one minute, I could almost hear God in the background shouting, Come out from among them and be ye separate and not partake of the craziness. Somebody has to live in the real world. Somebody has to risk, change real lives. Your life consists more than the amount of clicks you get. The amount of likes. Woo. And then you get on there and you see all your friends, children's picture on there and they look so handsome. And you see them on vacation, and they seem like they go on vacation five, six times a year. And they, they get houses all nice, and, and they're putting their highlight reel on there for you, you know? And you're seeing all this, and I don't get to go on vacation at all. My, my kids don't look that good, and none of my kids are in college, and you just get to feeling bad about yourself. But listen, I can guarantee you one thing, they're just as jacked up as you are. Just because they took a few pictures at the right moment don't make their life all that special. They're going through it just like you are, and they're learning one step at a time like you are. Ain't nobody got it all together. So don't be comparing yourself. Paul says that's unwise to compare yourself with somebody else. That's unwise. Don't do that. And then you got those people on there, God bless their souls, bless their little hearts. They use social media as a, as, as a way to cry out. You're wondering, man, is this guy going to commit suicide? And you're just feeling helpless and hopeless, and, and you want to do something, so you get on there and you say, I'm praying for you, brother. Be warm and be fed. Hallelujah. I feel better about myself. Is this stuff even real? Is what we're doing on there even count? What are we thinking?
This is crazy. Everybody got an agenda. They, the, the news media is not telling the news anymore. They're just ratcheting up conflict and bringing division. You can pick what news you want to hear. People having itching ears. I thought it was in the church, but it's in the news too. This world gone crazy. <laughs> and all this drama, meanwhile, is just adding fear and anxiety to everybody's life. And it ought not be that way for a Christian. You know, people used to just sit on the front porch. Andy Griffith did. I remember back before I, I got a cell phone. I remember the first day I had a cell phone when I went fishing. I was out on Arca Butler Lake. I was thinking, this ain't right. I can call somebody from here. That wasn't right. I was right the first day I had it on the lake. That wasn't right. You're supposed to be out there to relax. Gary calling you seven times telling you where the next fish is. I got to where I don't call Gary when I go fishing no more. He's vicariously living through me. I'm on the lake. He's at work. How many bites you get? What you using? What color jig you got? You know when they used to sit on the front porch? And they didn't have cell phones and all this stuff? Poor things. They didn't even know what 400 virtual friends were eating for lunch that day. They had no idea. And, and you know, on Facebook, since I've become pastor, I, I noticed a lot of the people in the congregation have defriended me. And I'm thinking, and at first I was a little upset, and then I'm thinking, well, they probably don't want me to see what they're posting and, you know, what they're doing and stuff. And I thought to myself, good! Good! The preachers in Andy Griffith Day didn't have to know what their whole congregation was doing on Monday through Saturday. I don't want to know. I do not want to know. I'm just a person too. I need my sanity. Now last week, or week four, we was in this message and I quoted a, a Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She's a specialist in cognitive neuroscience. She's been in it for over 35 years. She studies the brain and the effects of, of thought life and stuff on the brain. And she's a Christian scientist, so she, she wraps it up with what the Word says. She says research shows that DNA actually changes shape according to our thoughts. Now, you know, we didn't even know about DNA to here recently, so we got microscopes that would see that small. But DNA is how God put us together. It, it determines everything about us. It's so, so small. But he says, she says that your thoughts will shape your DNA. It'll actually flex and move and create different shapes according to your thoughts. As you think negative thoughts about the future, the week ahead, what a person might, might say or do, that toxic thinking will change your brain wiring in a negative direction and throw your mind and body into stress. So just a thought, just thinking something can cause your DNA to get all twisted up, can cause chemical reactions in your brain that will release all this stuff that will cause you to physically be ill, cause stress. According to Dr. Herbert Benson, he's the president of Harvard Medical School Mind and Body Institute. He said negative thinking leads to stress. Well, we've already established that. He said it affects our body's natural healing capacities. Toxic thinking wears down the brain. I think a lot of you would agree with that. A study by the American Medical Association found that stress is a factor in 75% of all illnesses and diseases that people suffer from today. 
If somebody is in a hospital right now, they're saying three out of four of them, it has something to do with stress. And then you got people say, it's my job to worry. Well, you won't be at your job long. You'll be down at the hospital. Right? The association between stress and disease is a colossal 85%. So if you have some sort of disease, there's an 85% chance that it's associated because of some stress in your life. Those are astounding numbers, and I'm not making this up. This is the American Medical Association. Harvard. Not all of these are Christian folk. The International Agency for Research on Cancer and the World Health Organization have concluded that 80% of cancers are due to lifestyle and not genetics. And this is a conservative number. The American Institute of Health estimates that 75 to 90% of all visits to primary care physicians are for stress-related problems. The doctors are getting rich over us worrying, over us toting too big a load, over our minds being cluttered and dark. And Dr. Leaf, again, she says, if we get our minds right, we have enormous potential to reach our peak health. But if not, we become our own worst enemy. Like I said, the enemy, enemy. My mind needs to be a drama-free zone for me to reach that peak potential. I got to guard my heart. I got to guard my mind. I got I to have some say what goes on in here. Don't you agree? If you just let your mind go crazy, I'll see you down at Baptist DeSoto. And it won't take long these days. You have to guard your heart. But see, if we want positive change, we need the discipline required to advance a lasting positive change. It don't just come easy. And we don't like that word discipline. We just want to sit down and hope it happens. But there's proactive things that we have to do to make sure that our mind is functioning properly and is not becoming our own worst enemy. I know it's easier just to blame God when you're all jacked up and ain't thinking correct and you're stressed out. Well, God, why'd you let all these things happen to me? Sit around and wish for a miracle. God, take away all my stress. Kill them all, God. And it gets to that point. But look, God is in the supernatural business. And he is in partnership with us. Our part is the natural. His part is the super. But most time, he's not going to do the super till you do the natural. That makes sense? You do what you know to do in the natural. And that's when you get your supernatural. If you're feeding yourself on the same gloomy old thoughts, clinging to drama, reveling in bitterness, offense, unforgiveness, you're just letting your mind go wherever you want to. You're just chasing it. It's chasing you around. You're not trying to control it at all. Surrounding yourself with negative thoughts and negative people. Watching CNN. Constant negative news. Watching Fox News. Like little foxes eating away at your vine. Until we just go, I, I got to go get something to drink. We medicate. We wallow. We blame. You know, a few people started drinking when they were young, got hooked or whatever, or started on drugs, you know, and got hooked. But a lot of people, they didn't start till their mind caved in on them, till it became overload, and they, had to, they were looking for an easy way out. And nobody told them, you can control your mind. You get to a place where our own habits 
perpetuate a cycle of negativity in our lives and, and we feel hopeless and we just like, I'm just going to give up. This is all there is to life. I'm just going to fit in. I'm going to conform. But that's not what God says to do. He told us through Peter, 1 Peter 1.13, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober. Don't medicate. That's, not, that's a band-aid over a, gaping, a gaping wound. It's not going to help at all. It's going to make things worse. Prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober. In spirit, steadfast, self-discipline. There's that word we hate again. Spiritually and morally alert. Why you got to be spiritually alert? Because there's somebody out here trying to take you out. <laughs> He's waiting on you to get drunk. He's waiting on you to get medicated. He's waiting on to get you in a place where he can speak another lie that's going to cause you to kill yourself or somebody else. Fix your hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, set your mind on heavenly things. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Set your thoughts on things above. Don't conform to this world. Don't be packed in. Don't be herded around by the devil. But the thing is, real lasting change is going to require an effort on your part. We've got to form new habits in our life. If you want it, you've got to work for it. Seed time and harvest. You're living what you've been planting. You want something new, you got to plant something different. You wouldn't plant some more orange seeds, expecting apples this year. We got to be vigilant and watchful. Last week I quoted Frank Outlaw, who said, Watch your thoughts because they become words. Watch your words because they become actions. Watch your actions because they're going to become your habits. And watch your habits because they're going to become your character. And watch your character because it's going to become your destiny. And you know what? That whole progression started with one thought. Watch your thoughts. You are what you thought in the past right now. And if you're going to get to somewhere new in your life, you're going to have to change the way you think. If you want different results, you're going to have to get a different thought pattern. You've got to renew your mind. In fact, Romans 12, 2, we talked about last week, says don't be conformed to this world. Don't be squeezed in by the devil. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Somebody's saying, well, that sounds like a lot of work. I'll, just, I'll shoot for the acceptable will of God. Well, that's not acceptable. Christians don't settle. We're going for that perfect will of God. And how are you going to know what it is? If you're not lining up with His Word, you're not renewing your mind to the things of God. You're still thinking like the old man. The Greek word transformed. Is metamorpho we talked about, where we get our word metamorphosis, where a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, something ugly and yucky and crawling around with all them legs, flies off with beautiful wings. And that's the way you need to be. You're in a little cocoon called Earth. And you need to be metamorphic into something beautiful for Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.16 Apostle Paul says, whenever somebody turns to the Lord. See, that's what, whenever somebody looks towards heaven, whenever somebody turns towards the Lord, 
the veil is taken away. That's all you need to do is set your eyes on something different. Set your heart, set your mind on something different. If you keep looking at what you used to look at, you get the same results. If you just, I'm not going to think that way no more. But you don't put new thoughts in. The devil comes back seven times stronger than he was before. And finds your house swept clean. So let's get back in there. Hey. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Who is the Spirit? Makes us more and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. But it all starts with where you're looking. Are you setting your eyes on things above? Are you turning to the Lord so that that veil, that darkness, that old way of thinking can be removed and you can be set free? Man, I'm preaching myself happy. I'm a, Amen, Pastor. Woo! See, it can change. Who's behind all this drama? Satan? I think he's right. I, that would be my number one guess. Wouldn't you think Satan's behind all this drama? I think so. I think that's why the Apostle Paul said, Don't be ignorant of the devil's devices, he's got schemes. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he says, Satan, who is the little G God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Well, you say, well, I believe. But have you changed your mind since you didn't believe? Are you still blind? You know you can be born again? Well, I'm not going to go there yet. He says, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. See, it's good news, but it ain't good news to you if you don't know what it is. I got good news. What is it? What is it? I ain't telling you. And it ain't good news to me. Or I'm shouting it at them. Hey, I got good news. I'll catch you later. They're not listening. It's good news, but it ain't good news to you until you do something with it. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. See, when you turn your eyes to Jesus, you see what you're supposed to become. Ephesians 6, 16 says we have the whole armor of God. We're not supposed to be whooped up by the devil. We're not even supposed to turn our back on him because we don't have no armor in the back. We just meet him head on. Everything is in the front. All our armor is all we need. And in Ephesians 6, 16, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And that's, all, that's, that's his main thing, is throwing fiery darts. You say, what are fiery darts? Well, they're ungodly thoughts and suggestions that he's throwing at you. See, if he could kill you physically, he would have already done it. He don't like you. His only power against us is deception. And so he's throwing lies. He's the father of lies. That's all he knows how to do is lie. And so everything he says is a lie. But he's good at it. And he's captivated most of us for most of our lives. And you've been around that mountain 150 times because of him. And he still gets you every now and then. And then after the, the shield of faith, it talks about the helmet of salvation. It's covering your thinker. Helmet of salvation. You, you, you know you're saved now, right? <laughs> That's what it's saying. Your mind is covered in the idea that I'm saved. I'm not supposed to live like that anymore. That whole blood covenant thing, that's mine. All that Zoe life. Top, from top to bottom, it's mine. I claim it. I don't know what none of it is, but sounds like good news. 
How are you going to walk in it if you don't know about it? I'm just trying to help you. So the devil, he's trying to hide from you the things of God. He's trying to lie to you. He's trying to kill you in an offhand way. He's trying to get you to kill yourself, really. The second thing that brings all this drama in the world is our own sin nature. That's what I think Mary Ellen said. We do it to ourselves. Romans 8, 7 says, The man governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Your old way of thinking, if you're still thinking like that, you're just thinking fleshly and carnally. To be carnally minded is death. And it's, that's against God. God is life. So if you're governed by the flesh, you haven't changed the way. You're not listening to the new spirit that you have. You're still listening to the flesh. Then you're hostile to God. And the flesh will always lead us to sin. And Colossians 1.21 says, Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. What's evil behavior? Sin. Your sin separated you from God. Romans 7.22 says, Apostle Paul says, I love God's law with all my heart. Why does he? Because he knows it's a better way. He knows it. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. You could say it's at war in my mind. Because look, when you got born again, you got a new spirit. And you got the Holy Spirit who leads and guides you into all truth. But you still got this lazy old flesh and you still got the sin nature that's trying to make you still think your old way of thinking. And the Holy Spirit's trying to say, no, don't follow that. That old man was crucified with Christ. That old man was buried with Christ in baptism. That old man should have rose anew, resurrected, a new way of thinking. And so there's a battle in your mind for which one you're going to believe. And guess who makes the decision? You do. You choose what path you're going to take. And to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And there's a battle going on in your mind. And if you just sit back, guess who's going to win? That same you that just wants to sit on the couch and eat bonbons. It's lazy. It's taking no proactive steps. It's going to be defeated every time. You're... Your mind governed by the flesh is always hostile to God. There is a war going on, not just in the world, within you. And most Christians do not even know this. They just, whatever, whatever. What will be, will be. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am, he says. Who will free me from this life? that is dominated by sin and death, all this darkness. I thought I was supposed to be free from all this when I got saved. But he says, thank God, there is an answer. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Well, I hope that we really want to obey God's law. If not, what will be, will be. But what chance do we have in this world if we never renew our minds? If we never even understand there's a war going on? You will be defeated every time if you get snuck up on. If you don't understand that some of them thoughts that's coming to you are not from God, if you don't understand that lazy feeling that don't want to get off the couch, for example, or don't want to go to work or all that, you don't understand that's your flesh coming against you, that you got an enemy and you got an enemy, enemy? You are your own worst enemy in many cases. And if a thought is from the enemy, you can be sure its intent is to harm you. You ever known an enemy to do anything to help you? Not these worldly enemies. 2 Timothy 4, 5 says you should keep a clear mind 
in every situation. Now, that can be confusing. Clear mind, how do I do that? I can't stop thinking. It's impossible. There's no way I can stop thinking. It just keeps going. It keeps sucking up like a vacuum cleaner. Going and going and going. So how do, how do I keep a clear mind? And, and it ain't good enough just to, to cast down evil thoughts and, and say, no, I'm not listening to that. Because if you don't replace them, they'll come back. So it doesn't mean that you just try to shut your mind off. You keep a clear mind. Clear, free of the clutter, free of the darkness, free of the bad. Because you see... When you got good in you, when you got light in you, it's clear. You can see in light, can't you? Clear vision. You know which way you're going. You should keep a clear mind in every situation. You know, my papa, he was like, what's it called? A pyromaniac or something. He liked to burn stuff. One time, he burned down the little barn in the back of his yard. He, he always kept a burn pile. You know, he'd be out there every day. He just loved to see burning. And he burned, and he burned it so big one day it burned his barn down. And so he just made the pile bigger, and he used that as part of the pile. And then he, one day, for no reason, he went across the railroad tracks, across the 61 highway from where he lived, and lit the grass on fire. And it burned for about a mile and a half before the fire department could get it put out. And they came and asked, Mr. Mr. Nello, why'd you set the railroad track on fire? Oh, no, you're getting rid of that grass there. And he would steal stuff. When you'd come down there, if you'd hang your clothes up, he'd take a few T-shirts out of you. He didn't like them. He'd take them out of your closet and throw them in the burn pile. I don't know. You can ask my mama. All her, her memorabilia from high school, he burned it all up. She don't have any pictures, yearbooks. My brother had a bunch of trophies. He would throw them in the fire at random. One day, I came in there, and all of them was un unscrewed and put back together on different bases and stuff. I don't, know what, what, I don't know what he was doing. But when it comes to your mind, what are you going to burn? What are you going to allow to stay? Is it just going to be random like that? You're going to destroy good thoughts and throw away good stuff and heap to yourself? A bunch of junk? You have to be particular about what you let in and what you burn, what thoughts you should keep and what thoughts you should heap. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, of, I'm sorry, but of power and of love and a sound mind. How many's heard that before? So God has given us a certain amount of things. You want to know what you keep and what you get rid of? There it is. Thoughts that cause fear and anxiety and angst in your life? They got to go. That's not of God. God did not give us the spirit of fear. If it causes fear in you, let it go. Thoughts causing doubt keep you from being a man of faith and power. Trusting in God. Say, so got to go. Because it said, He's not giving us the spirit of fear, but of power. We're supposed to have power. We're supposed to trust in God's power. Thoughts not filtered through God's heart of love. Got to go. So long. So long, bitterness. Hate to see you go, forgiveness. Unforgiveness. I'm letting it all go. Anything that causes me to feel negative about somebody else, that's why it's so important we got to let it go. That's what's adding to your stress. That's drinking poison and thinking you're hurting somebody else. All those things are, are causing stress. It's, it's twisting up your DNA. You become twisted. When you hold on to things that God said He did not give you. And don't hold on to the things He gave you. You know, I had the youth come over this summer and go swimming. They all came in the house and I was watching the football game or something. 
And when the football game got over, there was some documentary that ESPN was having about some uh, sports star, I won't say who, but didn't live a very good life. And I was thinking, well, they'll probably show, you know, the things that he did wrong in his life, and then they'll probably say, see, this is what you get when you do that. Well, we watched, and they showed some things he did wrong, and they showed some more things he did wrong, and, and all these youth are watching. I'm ready for the punchline when they're going to get to the part about this wasn't right. And they just kept going. It was like they were glorifying everything he did wrong. Finally, I had to change the channel, but it was like 35 minutes too late. You got to know when to change the channel in your mind. You let it play too long. Be quick to recognize when you got to let it go. We got to, we got to move on. That is not from the Spirit of the Lord. That is from one of the enemies. Bad thoughts in themselves are not sin. But engaging with them. You know, flirting with them, fellowshipping. When you start entering into, I know this is not right, but it makes my flesh feel good watching this or hearing this or, or feeling this. Then it becomes sin because you've taken the bait. You know, if the devil dangles some bait in front of you, that's fine. Put the shield of faith up. Go on. What are you going to <laughs> No. Now you've taken proactive measures to engage in sin. That's not good. A sound mind is God's goal in us. Dr. Leaf, talking about DNA again, she says, our DNA responds to negative thoughts by tightening up and becoming shorter. Switching off many DNA codes. I don't know what that means, but God has coded us to be, act and be a certain way. Which reduce quality expression. So we feel shut down by negative emotions. Do you feel that way when you're thinking, oh man, my heart's starting to flutter just thinking about you know, how they're treating me at the work or how my wife is doing or how this or what. And our body feels this too. But here's the great part, she says. The negative shutdown or poor quality of the DNA codes were reversed by feelings of love, joy, and appreciation, and gratitude. This whole thing can be turned around. The researchers also found that HIV-positive patients who had positive thoughts and feelings had 300,000 more times the resistance to disease than those without the positive feelings. They were 300,000 times more likely to not get all the other diseases that those who just, oh, I'm, I'm a goner. So the takeaway here is that when we operate in our normal love design, she says, which is being made in God's image, and she references Genesis 126, we are able to change the shape of our DNA for the better. In other words, Thinking will control even your natural body. How much more the person that you become on the inside. Turn to 1 Kings 19 and we'll close. I know all you know this, but it's a good refresher, right? It's not having heard the word. But faith comes by hearing the word. So you got to go over these things again. It's not having heard, it's hearing. If I had to preach something totally new every Sunday, I'd, I'd last for about a year as pastor and y'all be looking for my replacement. But God knows that we need to hear it again. We need to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. 1 Kings 19, verse 9. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? How did you get this jacked up, Elijah? What led you to think the way you're thinking right now, Elijah? 
You know, you just did great and mighty thing. I just helped you out of a big jam. You know, you, I, I do miracles through you, Elijah. Why? How did you get to this place all of a sudden? Why are you thinking like this, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've zealously served you, Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel, they've broken covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. Sounds like he's having a pity party, doesn't it? God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was a, such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord, he wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord, not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. That's where God was, in the sound of a gentle whisper. Is your mind quiet enough that you can hear God's gentle whisper? Because if it's not, you'll never get to where God's calling you because you're not hearing Him. If your mind is clouded, if it's busy, if you've got to have a radio on, you have to go to sleep with the TV on, you have to make sure that there's just noise going all times, you've been duped. If you're not spending quiet time in meditation in the Word of God, if you're not putting positive things in, you're going to step back. You have to be proactive. And you have to set your things on, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. That's all I got to say about that. We will pick it up again. Next Wednesday, I still feel like I'm in the introductory phase of this message. There's still good stuff to come. We're still just trying to, I feel like the Lord spent three weeks just trying to get you to understand the need to take your mind and who you are on the inside seriously. Because it, it determines the course of your future. Out of your heart, issues of your life. What you're putting in there, the seeds that you're planting, the things that you allow to stay, the things you fellowship with are, are determining the course of your history and of your future. And I know you're the next level bunch and you're ready to go from glory to glory. Father, I thank you for every one of the... for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.